Well, good evening. It's good to be back here with you again. As uh, I stated this morning, tonight I'm here to share my testimony. But before I share anything, I just want to make sure that I give glory to God first. And He is the one who deserves the glory. He is the one that gives us the power. He is the one that transforms our heart. So I just want to make that clear before I get started, because this isn't about me. It's what God has done in my life. I kind of struggled to try to figure out exactly what to share, how to start. I mean, if I were to try to say everything, we'd be here till 10 or 11 o'clock. I don't think we want that. So this is going to probably be a little bit of an abbreviated version. But uh, I was born in 1970, so that makes me 51 years old right now. I was raised on a small dairy farm uh, 20 miles northwest of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Small town called Rogers. It was small when I was a boy. Now it's like 15,000 people. Um, I'm the youngest of 10 children. And I was raised Roman Catholic. In my teenage years, I questioned a lot of different things, including religion. Probably not very different from lots of teenagers. Uh, And I was very discouraged with what I saw going on in the Roman Catholic Church where I grew up. I knew in my heart that the Catholic Church was not practicing the truth of Scripture, and I kind of decided, you know, religion's just not for me. I, I don't think I want anything to do with it. So I just totally walked away from any kind of church services, didn't really attend. Um, I would pretend to go to church. There was two or three services, and I'd say, well, I'm going to go to this one, and then my mom and dad would say, okay. And so I would lie to them and I would just go off and go for a drive or go out for breakfast or whatever else just so I didn't have to go to church. Um, And I did that. I mean, finally my mom and dad caught on and they kind of knew that they weren't going to be able to make me go. I was 18 years old or whatever by this time. and But from my uh, teenage years, from about 16 until I was 24 years old, I lived a very sinful and selfish life. I'm not going to go into any details, but I experienced enough to know that the wages of sin is death. The only thing that I can say is that I can remember times being in kind of a drunken state, laying on my couch late at night, feeling for my pulse to make sure that it was my heart was still beating. Going and checking the phone to make sure there was a dial tone so in case something happened, I could go call 911 quick. Because I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that if I would have died, I was going to go to hell. But I didn't, I wasn't ready to turn my life over to the Lord. And it seemed like almost out of the blue... My uh, next older sibling became born again. He was about 20 years old. I was about 20 years old at the time. And I noticed a very distinct change in his life. And he went from being a rank sinner like I was to started living for the Lord. And he was excited about being a Christian. And that really spoke to my heart. How we act and how we... uh, portray Christ in our hearts. People are watching, just so you know that. And when I observed what God did for him and how excited he was about serving the Lord, it really sparked something in me, and God used that spark. About four years later, when I was 24 years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. I still remember that day. It was December 13th, 1994. I knelt down in the living room of my house 
prayed a prayer with some TV evangelist, believe it or not, and asked the Lord to come into my heart and to save me. And I was floating on air. That night, I remember that night like it was yesterday. This happened in the morning. I went to work. I worked evening, night shift at the time. And I was single. I used to go grocery shopping after work because nobody was in the grocery stores. I'd go to a 24-hour grocery store. And uh, 2 a.m., you know, you don't have to fight crowds or anything. You just go through and buzz through and you go. But I just remember it just felt like I was walking on air. My burdens of sin were gone. God took those burdens away. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. But, you know, that same exact thing. I mean, I experienced that and, and I'll never forget I started attending a Bible study, started going to church regularly for the first time in eight years. I did not go back to the Catholic Church. Instead, I went to a Word of Faith church. It was not the same church that my older brother was attending. My older brother lived 45 minutes away, and so I attended a church that was closer to my home. And things that were going on there was very exciting. It was very different than what I was used to. Um, I was just kind of soaking it all in and I just never knew how much joy there was in being a Christian and going to church I was so free the burdens of sin were gone and God had truly transformed my life I went from going to the bars on Friday and Saturday night to going to Bible studies Friday night I went from doing sinful things and being conscious of what was going on and, and But when I got born again, when the Lord saved me, He transformed my heart. He really did. He's still working. He truly did put a new heart inside of me. In order to live this Christian life, we must be born again. We can't do it on our own. So I was attending this Word of Faith church, and if you're not familiar with what a Word of Faith church is, uh, very charismatic. Uh, they believe in speaking in tongues, miracles, being slain in the Spirit. Um, pretty wild, if I can say it that way. They would teach that every Christian should be healed and wealthy. And if you're not, it's because you don't have enough faith. Uh, I was a baby Christian. I really didn't know any better. So I kind of kept attending. But after after about three years, I started becoming uneasy with what they were teaching. I knew Christianity was true. That was settled. And I personally saw what God had done in my older brother's life. I knew what he did in my own heart. No one could take that away from me. But it seemed like the churches that were out there that I was familiar with were not practicing and teaching what the New Testament said. I was searching for truth. You could almost say I was searching for the true church, for whatever that, whatever that means to you. But that's what I felt like. But it seemed like where I was attending, they were teaching and preaching heresy. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I was on a journey. I was on a journey for truth. And the Word of Faith Church, where I was at, was not practicing the truth. I left that congregation when I was about 28 years old. Started attending the same church where my brother was attending. I thought, well, it's better to drive 45 minutes and at least know that maybe... This will be a little more solid place than where I was. And now I know some of you guys are thinking 45 minutes, oh, that's nothing, you know. (laughs) And it was while I was at that church is where I met Heidi. And we got married. We've been married now for 22 years. We have seven children, like I mentioned this morning, ranging in age from 21 down to seven. I'm not going to say much more about my family because of time, but 
family is very, very important to me. And I'm, I just feel so blessed with the family that I have and that God has given me. After Heidi and I were married, we wanted to move out of the Minneapolis area, go to a more rural setting. Now, at this time, I was actually living about 20 miles north of Rogers in Zimmerman, uh, probably be about 35 miles northwest of Minneapolis. And we wanted to raise a family in a rural setting, and we just kind of picked a spot on a map. You know, sometimes I actually think that we were a little crazy looking back. But we, well, northwestern Minnesota, well, that sounds like a good place. And so we start looking for land, and and uh, we found a spot where we God had confirmed it in many different ways, and that for sake of time, I won't get into that. But basically, we moved June of 2000, I think it was, and settled there basically 200 miles away from anyone that we knew. We were there all alone. I had a job. I already had got that arranged. We had this uh, house, and this old farmhouse, and some land, and we thought, well, yeah, we'll put roots down here and start raising a family. Well, we found an evangelical-type church that felt comfortable, and we started attending there. It was about 25 miles away. And we were reading our Bibles, and we were being very blessed by what we read. But yet here again, I ran into a issue, you could say. I'd read my Bible, and it would say one thing. I'd go to church, and they'd practice another. I was still looking for the true church. I knew the Catholics had a lot of wrong theology, and Heidi was raised in the Lutheran Church in the ELCA, and we knew that they had a lot of wrong theology and teachings. I was in the Word of Faith Church, and you know, I, I, I could see how they were twisting the scriptures. I thought maybe the evangelicals, they were on the right path. When it came to divorce and remarriage, the roles of men and women, and many other teachings, they were really no better than the world. So after a little time, we became discouraged with the church there we were attending. And it was about that same exact time, someone introduced us to the Mennonite church. It was 87 miles away. So hour and 20 minute drive. Now I rarely had any interactions with Mennonites up until this part of my life. And it wasn't because I was avoiding them. There just wasn't any around. I, uh, you know, if somebody really would want a grand vision, if we could have a conservative Mennonite and a Baptist type church every 50 miles across this country, that would, that would really be something, because I think there'd be a lot of people that we could reach. Now, I don't know if that would have helped me or not at that stage of my life, but, there, you know, it was just, I, some, some of you might be thinking like, what? I mean, I never saw a woman with a head covering on until I was 30. It just, that's just the way it was. So we started attending the Mennonite church, and I'm very thankful that God did get me in touch with the Mennonite church. So my wife and I and our newborn daughter started taking that 87-mile uh, drive every Sunday. We started attending there in November of 2001, and we never looked back. I felt at home. Here was a people who were not perfect, yet many of them strived for perfection. Here were people that took all of what the New Testament said and believed it to be true. I had never encountered a group of people who taught and lived the doctrine of non-resistance. That was a foreign thing to me. Never knew anything about it. I never encountered a group of people who taught and lived the doctrine of the two kingdoms. I hope you know what I mean when I say that. The kingdom of God here on earth right now that we are in. That was a foreign concept to me. I was also very impressed that ladies tried to fulfill their roles as women, and men tried to fulfill their roles as men. 
And it was so refreshing to see people who just took the book, opened their New Testament, read it, and took it at face value and didn't try to explain it all away. I've been in the conservative Mennonite church now for 20 years, and I've learned so much. And I am grateful that there was still a group out there practicing the teachings of the New Testament. And I praise God for brothers and sisters who read the Bible and try to live by it. Now, the last 20 years haven't always been easy, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. See, where I came from in the evangelical and charismatic churches, scriptures were read, but they were read out of context. Things that were plainly spelled out in scripture were explained away. Church leaders would take a scripture here, a scripture there, pull them out of context, and then put them all together and basically make it say whatever they wanted to say. And those of you who have ever taught, you know you can do this. You, you, you know how easy it is to do this. I, don't do it, but you can do it. I mean, and that's what I, what I faced a lot of. I was told that the Sermon on the Mount was not for today. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, oh, that's for the kingdom age in the future. That's for when we get to heaven. That ain't for today. We can't live that. I was taught that loving your enemies was impossible, so Jesus must not have ever meant that. I was also told that you could never lose your salvation once you accepted Jesus into your heart, which is a lie. Heidi and I were on a journey in search for truth, and I believe we found it in the conservative Anabaptist churches. And I'm not ashamed to be a Mennonite. I'm not ashamed to be a conservative Anabaptist. I'm excited about it. That isn't to say that we're perfect. I know that. We've got our struggles. I know we have problems. Sin still rears its ugly head. I'm past the honeymoon stage, if we can say it that way. But I don't know of any other group out there that is any better doctrinally. Now, some of the criticisms that are leveled against us and was leveled against me when we first joined the Mennonite Church is that it's legalistic. We're concerned about outward appearance rather than the inner man. And maybe there are some conservative Anabaptist type churches that are like that. I, I wouldn't deny that. But I can also say that there are churches that say that they focus on the heart and they're really no better inside than we are and they've thrown away all of the outward appearance. So, my uh, thought would be, why can't we have a vibrant Christian life on the inside and still dress modestly on the outside? Is there any reason why we can't do that? We can. Now, some of these experiences I'm talking about, I'm not going to say that that's true of every Protestant and evangelical church. It's just the ones that I was familiar with. But I think we can be obedient on the inside and on the outside. There's no reason why we can't. Being dressed modestly does not hinder us from having a deep relationship with God. Now there are many things that I appreciate about the Anabaptist Church. And over the years... Probably the one that I cherish the most is their interpretation of Scripture. Now, maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but from the research that I've done, from the journey that I've been on, the conservative Anabaptist Church has extremely close to the same interpretation of Scripture as the early church. And when I say early church, I mean like the first 200 years of Christianity which in my mind means that they are more accurate in their doctrines than the Protestants or any other modern church movements. See, you can't have error unless you have truth first. Truth has to always come first. You can't have a counterfeit of something unless you're counterfeiting something that's true. You can't make a counterfeit $20 bill if you don't know what one looks like. So you must have truth before you can have counterfeit 
And so when I started looking at some of these doctrines as I was on this journey, and I started asking the question, well, how did they practice it back then? How did they believe it in the year 150? It doesn't matter to me what they thought in the year 500. If you think now we're in 2022, well, in 1522, things were a lot, lot different than they are in 2022. I want to know what they thought back in the year 100 or 150. So why is that important? It's important because all Christians in every denomination will say that they base everything that they believe on what the Bible says. I don't know any Christian church out there that's going to say, no, we don't believe in the Bible. No, they all say they believe in the Bible. And I've talked to many people, and they'll say they're basing everything that they believe and how they live on what the Bible says. Yet think about that. If that were true, then all Christian churches would basically look and act similar. We know that that isn't true. So obviously it's not really what the Bible says. It's how we interpret it. If we read the Sermon on the Mount, and we say this is for today, and we believe that we're supposed to live by it, but someone else says, oh no, that's just for that time in the future. Well, that's for when we get to heaven. We're going to live differently. We're going to, I mean, can you imagine taking Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and just tearing it out of your Bibles and saying, we don't need this. Yeah, that's going to change the way you live. If I read 1 Corinthians 11, and it says women should be covering their heads, and I believe in taking Scripture at face value, then it should be practiced even today. But if someone else reads that same verse and says things like, it was cultural. I mean, that's what I heard. I'd read that thing and it'd be preached from the pulpit. Oh no, you don't need to believe, you don't, no. That was just for back then. That was just for the city of Corinth. That was just, no. So it isn't hard to see that it's not really what the Bible says. It's what we want to make the Bible say. It's how we interpret it is what really counts. And there are many other things that have, you know, I've found over the years where I can say, and I, I just, I, I, I thank God and I just pray that we as conservative Anabaptist people will continue to be steadfast in our doctrines. Because having an accurate interpretation of Scripture is of utmost importance when we share the gospel with unbelievers. It's also important when Say the ministry of the brotherhood need to deal with sin in the church. When we're witnessing, we want to share the truth. We want people to accept Jesus. And we cannot water down what it means to be a Christian. When dealing with sin in the church, we need to rely on what Scripture says and in its proper interpretation. Because if we don't, we end up condoning sin and people will be eternally lost because of it. And just a real example that happened in my life, when I was, when we were first married and we were in northern Minnesota, we were attending this evangelical community church, and there was a couple there that was having marital problems. Now, I don't know all of the details, but maybe the, maybe the husband was, was a, a you know, I, I don't. Maybe he wasn't fulfilling his role as a as a husband. Maybe he had already run off. Maybe he was a terrible person. I don't know. But they were trying to uh, work with this couple, and after a while, what they said was, "Well, we're going to just recommend that the the wife file for divorce." Now think about that. So you have a ministry that are counseling a married lady to file for divorce from her husband. It, well, I don't, as far as I know, it wasn't an abusive situation. And I can maybe understand that, you know, there could be a, a time if there was an abusive situation that we may say, well, you need to separate because, we, you know, you need to be protected and this and that. But they said file for divorce, and that church, I know, did not believe that divorce and remarriage was wrong. So what are you really saying then? You're basically saying file for divorce, you know, put them away, and, and then you'll be free to marry somebody else. And that happened all of the time. 
Now, I don't remember in that particular situation. But if, if we as church leaders start counseling people to get divorced and then we say remarriage is okay, that's adultery. We're condoning adultery. We can't do that. Now, we had left that church shortly thereafter. I don't know how that specific situation went. And that was when we went to the Mennonite church. But see, when we interpret scripture, we look at it and take it at face value. Divorce and remarriage is adultery. We don't allow it. If we are counseling a marital problem, we're always looking for reconciliation. We would always be trying to bring them back together. Divorce would not even become part of the counseling session. So having a proper interpretation of Scripture matters. Now all have sinned, even in the Mennonite church, and I know that. But it's easier to deal with a sinful situation when you have the right foundation. Now the foundation is always Jesus Christ. But I believe right along with that is having a proper interpretation of his word. It's easier to deal with a situation when we know the truth and practice it than if we have a wrong understanding of what Scripture says. Now, in the conservative Anabaptist churches, we would be dealing with those sins in totally different ways than how they would do in the Catholic or the evangelical churches. Scripture says, divorce and remarriage is adultery. We will not allow it. But not just that isn't just us saying that. That's how the early church practiced it, too. That's been the truth ever since the beginning of Christianity. Yet in most churches today who call themselves Christian, they will condone it. And to me, that's a serious thing when a church condones sin. Now, I want to share with you a little bit some of the things that really stood out to me when I came into the Mennonite church. And the first one is the doctrine of the two kingdoms and all that goes along with that. And that could be hours to discuss that as well. But because we take scripture at face value, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we see direct commands of Jesus and we try to obey them in our lives. And I never saw that practiced before. See, when I was a new Christian, I read the Sermon on the Mount. I noticed that the church where I was attending didn't obey this teaching. And I really questioned it. I struggled. I sat there and said, well, this is what it says. Why aren't we doing this? Well, I, okay, I, so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask an older man in the church that he'll have the answer. Well, unfortunately... He probably wasn't the right person to ask because he was also a police officer. So I asked him, I said, well, what do we do with this where it says, love your enemies? And he kind of looked at me and he says, what do you mean? We're not supposed to defend ourselves? Come on. Do you think it's more right for some kid to, you know, take me out and make my wife a widow or should I defend myself? I mean, I was just, it doesn't mean that. So I just, oh, Okay. And I don't know how it is with you, but you know, sometimes you read something and then somebody kind of refutes it and you don't really know how to answer it. You just kind of put it up in the back shelf for a while and, you know, you, you remember it, but, you know, you're not really ready to articulate it yet. Well, that was what happened with me on that. The Doctrine of the Two Kingdoms also talks about not being involved in politics, not voting, not being involved in any occupation that require the use of force not being in the military, or things that are all wrapped up in the doctrine of the two kingdoms. And it wasn't until I came into the Anabaptist circles that I saw that lived out. And I also believe these teachings of non-resistance and the two kingdoms, we should be living that in a positive state. We get to live this way. God asks us to live this way. We're part of his kingdom. It's not that we can't do this and we can't do that. No, we get to do this, and we get to do that. This is a positive thing, not a negative thing. If we focus too much on what we can't do and not enough on what we are called to do as Christians, 
it will also not be very appealing to our children. See, I was very patriotic in my younger days. I believed the U.S. was a Christian nation. You know, I I even remember, see, those of you probably that are younger don't remember September 11th, but that was a very pivotal, pivotal day in this country, September 11th, 2001. And I can remember going home, feeling all patriotic, digging a hole with a hand post hole digger, pouring concrete, sticking a pipe in there, and raising the flag. I never had a flagpole before, but I had one shortly thereafter. But when I read the Bible, when I met people that explained it to me, I realized the United States is not a Christian nation. We are members of the kingdom of God. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God. First, we may live in the United States, but that isn't our first allegiance. One of the, the second thing that really stood out to me that we practice here in the Anabaptist Church is the role of men and women and the family. The church and society at large. God has given us many teachings in regard to how the family should function and the roles of men and women and children in the home. And we were blessed to find that there are still churches who practice this. Now, I can't get into all kinds of details, but see, when I was in the evangelical and charismatic churches, there were, there were women on staff who had the title of pastor who were teaching from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. And then you'd go to the scriptures and you'd see, well, this is what it says. Oh, no, but it doesn't really mean that. I mean, that would happen to me over and over and over. Now, I think that we have done a good job in maintaining the roles of men and women. And that was one of the other things that really attracted me to the Mennonite church. The other thing was, is the church is a brotherhood. I see in the conservative Anabaptist churches the structure of brotherhood unlike anywhere else I've ever seen. We teach that we're all in this together. Each born-again believer has the Spirit of God living inside of them and they have something to contribute. We teach that all need to help when others are in need. It isn't necessarily just for the ministry to do. And the greatest example that I can think of this is the first Mennonite funeral that I attended. Now, I don't know how you practice funerals here, and so I'm not, I have no clue. So this was my experience. But there was a sister in the congregation that passed away from a heart attack, and I saw things go into motion like I had never seen before. Brother in the church built a casket. Some other brethren dug the grave by hand. Um, the ladies started, you know, making food and, and providing different stuff. There was housing, hospitality set up the, for guests that were coming. This was a, a big funeral. The burial graveside was well attended. And it was the church who closed up the grave with their shovels. See, where I came from, Money buried you. You hired it all done. You just paid somebody and they did it all. When I came into the Mennonite church and I saw how everybody worked together. It wasn't all hired up by professionals. And I remember hearing this statement. Does money bury you? Or does the church bury your body? Where I came from, money buried your body. But when I die, I want the church to bury my body. Those are some things that really stood out to me as doctrines in the Mennonite church 
and the conservative Anabaptist churches that we hold and practice in accordance with the scriptures. And I guess it just kind of breaks my heart when I see people wanting to throw it away. And I want to challenge each and every one of you, if there's anybody here who's thinking this is not real, this doesn't really matter, this doesn't count, this is just all uh, culture, that's not true. Maybe there's some of that, I don't know, in some churches. But for me on the outside looking in, I saw something special. Not every uh, Christian denomination out there does these things. And it's really, it really stands out when we practice what the scriptures say. I came from the Protestant side. There's not a whole lot there. And I've spent the last 20 years unlearning wrong teachings. The teachings of Martin Luther, the teachings of John Calvin have done so much damage to the church. And they're all, all of those teachings seem to be creeping into the Mennonite churches as well. And we can't allow that to happen. Now some of you might be thinking, well what teachings are you talking about? Eternal security, predestination, nationalism, dispensationalism. If you don't know what all these are, I can explain them. But <clears throat> there's many different facets. Now I realize that there are some conservative Anabaptist churches out there who maybe aren't living up to, their, to the scripture or to their doctrines. If there's gross sin going on in a church and it is not dealt with biblically, meaning taking some time to work with the people, trying to point them back to God, making them, trying to get things right, bring them back into right relationship with the church, counseling with them, you know, making an effort to deal with sin. And if they don't want to turn from their sinfulness, then they would need to be excommunicated. But if they're not doing that, if a church is not doing that, then that church is no longer living up to the teachings of the Bible. And, you know, sometimes I hesitate a little bit. See, see, there is an element of... I, I didn't grow up in the Mennonite church. What, what some of you grew up with, you take for granted. I had to struggle and fight my way to get in. And I believe that what the conservative Anabaptist Mennonite churches teach and live and practice is true Christianity. But sometimes it can just become dry and dead to some people. I don't know why that happens. But believe me, if you are born again and you have the Spirit of God living within you, you can be in the conservative Anabaptist church and have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. You can be spiritual and conservative. The two do go together. And I saw it happen time after time where people would want to throw it all away. They maybe had a bad experience. Maybe the church where they were a part of weren't, they weren't dealing with sin. They were, they were, they were letting things go. I, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of different scenarios. But just because something like that happens doesn't mean that all conservative Anabaptist churches are bad. And I would have to say, I mean, it happens. Sometimes Anabaptist churches are not living up to their doctrines. And then it may be time that you have to leave. But if you have to leave a conservative Anabaptist church, find another conservative Anabaptist church. Going to the Protestant churches or to the Catholic churches or anything is not really an option. There's too many errors in their doctrines. There's too much condoning of sin going on. And I'm not saying that every person who is not a Mennonite is going to go to hell. I'm not saying that. We're all on a journey, and I believe that we will see people in heaven 
from every denomination. Because if we're following after Christ, we will be making steps and taking steps to become closer to Him and to be more like Him. And if you happen to die, I mean, I, I think of the example of us. We were searching, and what if we would have gotten killed in a car accident before we found the Mennonite church? I think we would have went to heaven, even though Heidi wouldn't have had a head covering on. I mean, it, I, I'm not saying that only Mennonites are going to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, from my life and from my studies, and from what I've been through in my own experiences, the doctrines of the conservative Anabaptist church are true and they line up with what the early Christians would have believed and how they would have interpreted Scripture. I was listening to a sermon one time, and it was actually Dean Taylor that said this. And I don't know if you know who Dean Taylor is, but See, when you, when you come from the outside, you can see things that maybe you can't see when you've been in it all your life. And he said, there's nothing more odd than seeing Mennonites trying to look cool. And it's true. When, when we're following Christ and we're doing and living how we're supposed to be living. Trying to look cool is a worldly thing. And it does look kind of weird. And there's been all kinds of different things that I've noticed that, you know, I don't know how things are here. First time I've ever been here. But sometimes I think the burden of modest dress falls more on our ladies than it does on our men. And I don't think that's right. Men are supposed to be the leaders of the home. We should be leading in dress as well then too, right? And it does look odd when I've seen a Mennonite man in a t-shirt and blue jeans and a baseball cap and tennis shoes and then a woman in a plain dress or a cape dress. That just looks weird to me. It, it just, it's odd. It's like, well, no, you're, you're both in the same church, right? And I had a man challenge me one time. He said, if you and your wife were out grocery shopping in a big grocery store, and you were on opposite ends of the store, and someone saw your wife, and then later they saw you, would they be able to put you together? That really spoke to me. So I guess what I want to challenge all of you tonight with is don't take for granted what you've been given. I, I wish I had a heritage like you guys do. And I, I guess I can say maybe now I do. But I really believe that if we properly apply the Word of God, and we live on his commands. And we do it in love. We will please the Lord. And I think that in our conservative Anabaptist churches, we come pretty close to doing that. I know we're not perfect. But my life has been kind of a journey of seeking out the truth. And I want to challenge you to study it, to be excited about it. It's not boring to be a Mennonite. It's really not. I, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about what God has done. And I just want to bless each one of you here and say thank you for continuing to live the doctrines. Would you like me to close in prayer or anything? Or I, I didn't know. Maybe there's something that didn't make sense that I said. If there's a question that you might have. Um, <clears throat> I left a lot of stuff out. Probably for sake of time. I'm probably getting pretty late here. But 
I don't know, is that okay? Should I, do any of you have any questions or? It might take about 15 minutes, but. Well, I mean, it, it was it was God moving because what happened in the in that period of time was that when Heidi and I got married in the church that we were at in the cities, um, and then we moved to northern Minnesota, and then there was another couple from that same church that moved to near Bemidji, and a mutual friend talked to Heidi and talked to this other lady and said, well, you guys are kind of up there. You guys should get together and talk. And so Heidi went and talked with her. Well, when she showed up at this lady's house, there was a woman from a Mennonite church there wearing a covering. And Heidi was like, huh. You know, and it was right at that time when we were starting to search. Now the the lady that... Uh, was lived at that place. She also went to the Mennonite church, but she wasn't covered. And the the interesting thing about that is all of the people that helped us get into the Mennonite church have now left the Mennonite church. It, it, it's just kind of weird. I just kind of realized that this weekend as we were thinking through all this. I don't know if that totally... Does that... Okay. But no, I mean, it was God putting orchestrating and putting things together and and, and leading us there. Are there any other questions? You said it was kind of tough getting in. Did you sense you were, they were holding it at arm's length for a while? Do you prove you were, you were sincere? No, not really. Um, see, I think a lot of this has to do with attitude. Um, it, it was tough because it was so different from what I was used to. It, it wasn't tough from the standpoint of anybody holding me at arm's length. Um, but I, I was genuinely seeking and asking questions. And there was a lot of changes that I, I had to change my way of thinking. You know, when, when, you, when you were kind of... See, when I got born again, I was basically told that... Oh, once you say this prayer, you're in. You're saved. All of a sudden, you're kind of going, "Wow, you know, well, that's pretty handy, you know." <laughs> and and you know, but but that's what that's what Calvinism would teach. And I was indoctrinated with Calvinism. And so when I found out that that isn't true, that we can lose our salvation, and then I had to start rethinking so many things. Like, like I kind of said, I've been unlearning for the last 20 years what I learned falsely. And it's kind of a painful process. <laughs> Any other questions? I've been involved in street work for a number of years. And many, many times I've fielded the question, uh, where can I find a church like yours? Or like your presenting? And this is in Chicago or in Minneapolis or wherever. Uh, is there a good way to feel that? <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's why I say right now you'd almost have to say, well, you might have to move. You know, but, but see, I, I don't necessarily view that as actually being a wrong answer. You know, if you want fellowship, if you want to be with like-minded believers, aren't we willing to move? You know, I, I mean, we moved up to northern Minnesota. I actually didn't even mention that. And then we moved again when we became members of the Mennonite Church. We wanted to move closer to the church because we were 87 miles away. And I'm like, well, we can't come Wednesday nights. We can't hardly come Sunday nights. You know, we don't feel plugged in. There, there was just all of this. So, so we sold our place and moved. But I think it would be a whole lot better if um, we just started sending out five families and just kept going every 50 miles.
Anything else? It's, it was more of a, a thing of how God worked. Um, when we were living in the cities area in Zimmerman, and we wanted to move, we actually bought a farm in Oakley, which by Thief River Falls. It's not where we're living now. That was our first move. We kind of took a step of faith when we saw it and we purchased it. And... We said we'd buy it, no contingencies. Well, I couldn't afford it. I knew I had to sell my place down in the cities before I could afford that place. And Heidi was, she was, she was okay with it and she felt like the Lord said, yeah, we should go ahead and do this. But she was, wanted some kind of a confirmation. And she said, you know, God, could you give me a rainbow? And Boy, I don't know how I can even... Heidi can tell it so much better. Maybe you'll have to... But, and even when we were going to sign the papers, we were sitting down and she says, just wait a minute. And she ran out to the front door looking for a rainbow. Oh, no rainbow. Well, and we made the offer and they, you know, had to then take it back to the to the owners and because I was dealing with the realtor. And we got home and I don't know if it was a day or two later... Next day, okay, they called us up and said, yep, they accepted your offer. And she looked out the window at that moment and there was a rainbow. So it was just kind of a neat, you know, it was like there was, there was so many things as we were in this journey. I mean, because, see, my the way I feel looking back, I don't know that I could have went from being a, a born-again Christian in the evangelical church in the cities and went right into the Mennonite church. Now, I don't mean that because God can't do that. I just mean that I think there would have been so many pressures from our family to say, what are you doing? How, what, you know, this is way too radical. And, and we would have been close enough to him. So I feel like God actually got us out on our own, way out in the middle of nowhere. And then when we found the Mennonite church and started attending there, then we were able to have support right nearby from our church family so that when our family did say, because they did say, you joined a cult, they thought that the Mennonite church was a cult. And I had to explain, no, it's not a cult. And I gave them the history and, and explained stuff like that. And so there, there was many struggles um, in doing that. But I, I really believe that the moves helped us to be able to make the transition. Yeah, if you want to know the, the real story, that was more kind of Heidi's uh, aspect of it. But Any other questions? All right. Well, I just want to say again, praise the Lord and keep serving him.